Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Shaw, and ooh, it is spooky season here in detox land. Yes, it is October. You might be listening to this not in October, but we're recording this in October of 2022. And do we have a specially spooky guest for you today? So my good friend and author, Ali Malininko, is on the show. For those who don't know, Ali is a poet, novelist, and librarian living in Brooklyn, New York, where she pens her tales in a secret writing closet before dawn each day. Allie is on the show. She was on the show previously to talk about her book, Ghost Girl, and she's on the show today to talk about This Appearing House. A little bit about This Appearing House. For as long as anyone could remember, there wasn't a house at the dead end of Juniper Drive until one day there was. When Jack first sees the house, she's counting down to the five-year anniversary of her cancer diagnosis when she hopefully will be declared NED or no evidence of disease. But with the house appearing and her hands shaking and a fall off her bike, Jack is starting to wonder if these are symptoms or if something stranger is happening. So This Appearing House is a fantastic book you're definitely going to want to check out. Allie and I get into all of that on the show today. We also talk about the transition of writing from Ghost Girl to This Appearing House. We talk about uh, dealing with trauma. We talk about dealing with emotions, giving kids the tools they need in order to cope with all these emotions. It's an absolute fantastic conversation that I no doubt know that you will thoroughly enjoy. Um, So before we get into that, though, I do want to let you know that today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. Nostalgia is something everyone loves, and Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at TheEmpireToys.com. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Ali Malininko will be right up after this. Welcome to the Detox Podcast. Yes, it is October. It is spooky season. If you're listening to this, you're like, I what did I just sign up for? Well, get ready. I am back. Joe Shaw, your host, in case you thought I've been possessed. No, I have full control of my faculties, and I'm here with my dear friend, Allie Malaninko. Allie, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm super excited to be here, Joe. Spooky season. It is. I mean, uh, I'm probably like yelled into my mic just then but you know and this we started we were talking a little bit uh before the show started just about you know spooky season and how fun it is and it's best time of the year and all the good stuff and i i started to i was thinking about halloween and i was thinking about how i as a kid i always enjoyed halloween um it was fun but i think being from uh, sort of a pretty strict religious background i don't think i got to fully enjoy it as much as we would like to um, and so as I got older, I think that's probably a little bit, a little bit of why I threw myself into theater, did theater, did undergrad. I did a makeup project where I was Frankenstein's monster. Um, it was delightful. Um, it was wonderful. So as, the older I get, the more I love Halloween even more. And so I think now it has become 
my favorite holiday, my favorite time of the year. So I was like, let's have some good guests on to talk about some fun, spooky things and really get us in the spirit. So for those who are listening, they're like, what, what, like, where, where are we? Yes, this is a Halloween-centric series of episodes coming up for the month of October. And uh, for those who may be new here at the Detox Podcast, I do like to ask people to detox, quote unquote, detox from the world around them, get a window into how other people live their lives. So we're going to have some fun today. But Ali, I do want to ask you at the start of the episode, what are you currently detoxing from? Oh, that's great. Um, So I think right now I am in a place with my relationship to the publishing industry where I am actively, I've got like a little mantra about it, but I'm actively understanding that the only thing I have control over is the writing and everything else I have to just let go. Publishing will do what publishing is going to do. It will take as long as it's going to take. And that is fine. It's not going anywhere. As my editor always reminds me like publishing isn't going anywhere, Ali, take your time. So that's what I am. I am detoxing from my obsessive need for control. (laughs) I hear that. I think one of the things that I've found uh, uh, about myself, so this is, I would say, one thing that I'm detoxing from is also sort of the need for control. I I, I found something out about myself. Um, um, I I guess good. I think it's always good when we learn things about ourselves, but I would say it's not great, you know, one of the things. But um, I found out that a lot of my um, leaps in skill acquiring, whether it's skilled knowledge, skill building, etc., has come as a result of me getting frustrated that I have to rely on somebody else to get it done. So I just teach myself to do it. So I never have to rely on somebody else. So like, I guess that's a good thing, but that's really says more about like my need to feel in control and that's not great. So, you know, we're, I, we're, we're working through that. I am very familiar with that process of <laughs> I'll just do it myself. <laughs> Even when I don't know what I'm doing, right. which is not great because that's often coupled with my inability to ask for help. So yes. I'll just flounder in the corner. No problem. Everything's fine. I'll get out of the corner eventually. Uh, not sure how, but I will. We'll, yeah, no. <laughs> like what, like what, what it's like cost, but eventually we'll get out. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm mentioning this on a few recent episodes that we, people, uh, continue to be reminded of it, but I just launched, uh, detoxpodcast.com. Well, I would say relaunch. It was launched when the show launched back in 2016, but I did a complete, I took it down. I did a complete redesign. It took me, took me about a year at this point. And it, it came from a fact of trying to understand web design, even at a basic level, and I was getting frustrated and then I started asking for help and started like looking through like, how do I need to get this done? And every time I uh, relied on somebody else, it was it was definitely either it was their timeline, not mine, or it was um, not the vision I had. And I got frustrated and was like, I'm just going to take two weeks and do it like that's my timeline. And then I was like, you know what? And I actually did like a, nobody cares about this, but I'm just going to wrap this part up. I, I took care. Like, uh, well, I, t- I took like a whiteboard and I, mm-hmm. I analog, if you will, drew it out. I was like, this is what the homepage design will be. It will be a picture here. It will be a button there. It will be like this. Took a picture, erase it. Here's what the about me is going to look like. And I did it so that way when I got in to the web design, I was like, there's all these widgets and all these buttons. I was like, wait mm-hmm. a minute, what does what my paper say? What is my, what is the thing? And then I just did that. And that allowed me to feel both in control 
and like okay with not necessarily being in control of everything. So, uh, yes, I'm trying to trying to let it go, let it go. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic, though. I I uh, my I have to pay people to make a web page for me, so. I respect what you're doing. <laughs> it's a it's a time versus money thing, kind of a thing. I was yeah. like, my time yeah. is more valuable, and it got to a point where I was like, well, I'm spending time cr- correcting things, so I don't, whatever. But yes, it's uh, we all we all have things that we're okay, kind of diving a little bit deeper on, and sometimes it's like, you know what? No, I'm I'm good. <laughs> I like that you, Allie, take that time and pour it into the wonderful books that you have. <laughs> so that's a good segue into right. talking about the fact that the last time you were on the show. You were talking about the incredible Ghost Girl. That book, st- I I routinely think about the ending of that book pretty regularly. Um, oh, I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. And there was um, there's zero spoilers if anybody's wondering. So you got to go buy the book to know what I'm talking about. <laughs> but there's moments in like I even see some of those elements um, in things like Lock and Key, um, in things like uh, Riverdale a little bit. Um, where I see some of the the themes, and it just makes me go, you know, I really wish I I was rereading Ghost Girl right now. I should probably go back and and read it. Not to say that that stuff doesn't those shows don't have merit, but it does make me think about the plotting and the plotting and the uh, and the antagonists and and all those characters. So that was fantastic. We talked about Ghost Girl. You just released This Appearing House, though. So talk to me about. Um, I would say let's do this for the listeners. Let's. Do a little bit of a description about this appearing house, if you will. And then I want to get into what the process was like for you to transition from Ghost Girl into the mindset to writing this appearing house. Sure, 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 sure. Okay, so this appearing house is a story of Jacqueline Price Dupree, who goes by the name of Jack. Um, When we meet Jack, she's 12. She is on the cusp of a five-year anniversary of a cancer diagnosis. That is not a spoiler. It's on the jacket. Um, and she's got some anxiety about that. She's she's feeling uh, some feelings that she's not really sure how to work through. And then she starts having some episodes that she feels like maybe are symptomatic of the cancer having. So she's she's had a fall from her bike. Um, she's got some trembling hands. But most importantly, she thinks she might have hallucinated a house that just suddenly appears at the end of the street where she rides her bike. So she recruits her best friend, Hazel, to come down and make sure that he can see it too, which he can, which brings her some comfort. And then some neighborhood kids show up and they dare them to go into the house, uh, which they do. And once they get inside the house, they discover that they cannot leave. Um, The door that should lead out just leads back into the same room again. And there are little clues scattered about that make Jack start to think that the house might specifically be for her. Um, And then it's basically a haunted house story where they go room from room, terrible things happen, scary stuff goes down. And um, the overarching message, I guess, of the story is that the, the only way out is through. So they have to get through the house in order to figure out what it's for. I oh chills when you're talking about it chills I I think there's I would say this um and I want to talk about the the transition part in a moment but I want to say one thing that I think is fascinating for 
I would say us as humans, when we're, when we're talking about all of the different types of spooky, I'm using air quotes here, right? But spooky stories that we consume, there's so there's like monster stories, there's slasher stories, there's all, there's, um, all kinds of different elements. But I got to say, everybody loves a good haunted house story, in my opinion, because it's just so classic. I mean, people can't see, but you're wearing a shirt that says the haunting <laughs> of Hill House right here, right? I mean... <laughs> what, what makes these stories so so incredible to me when I'm like analyzing like why do I love a good haunted house story and I'm like because for me the home house is supposed to be your safe space yep. and and it's not and so yep. how do you so it's like flipped upside down and and now you gotta like how do you figure out what is safe and what's not in this place that has been created for you or for someone as a safe space so I I love that. <laughs> Well, I think it's also, I think the thing about homes, and, and I say this as someone who has an intense fear of home invasion, mm. it's probably like my biggest fear. I've never, thank God, thank the Lord, yep. I have never Knocked dealt with a home invasion, but I do absolutely have a fear of home invasions, um, even down to like the weird ones you see on YouTube videos where someone's like secretly living inside someone else's house, like hiding out in their cabinet oh my and gosh, stuff. Like, that reminds me of a different movie that I was about to say that I can't spoil, so I won't. Um, but, <laughs> but yes, I, I thought, it, oh, okay. I'm going to so footnote that. The whole, the whole thing is though, is that like, so I didn't, I think the reason that haunted houses in general are so appealing is exactly what you said. We have this weird, almost like, innocent and kind of foolish idea that because we lock a window or a front door that we are somehow safe right. and a home invasion or a haunted house reminds you that you are not. Yep. And I think that that's just deeply unsettling for humans to think that this place that is supposed to belong to them, that they are supposed to be just for them could be inhabited by anything from another person who wishes them harm to like a ghost or a monster. Um, and I also, the part of the reason I think haunted houses stories, typically the house usually is supposed to represent mental health issues. That's usually how it goes. Like that's the classic take on the haunting of Hill house, for right. instance. Um, so it's supposed to represent a haunted mind. Um, so when I decided to do this, I thought specifically about if the idea of the house as a structure represented a haunted body um, and what Jack has experienced in her past and how she needs to come to terms with trauma that she's been through. Um, I don't call this, I mean, lots of people do and it's totally fine, but for me, I don't consider this a cancer book. Um, cancer is mentioned exactly. I think, I think it says it, the word is once in the text. Yeah. Twice. Um, for me, this book is about trauma. It's about the elasticity of trauma. It's about how we learn and relearn over and over again, how to deal with traumatic events that have taken place in our life. And my hope is that for kids who need that story, they will find it here. Um, I know that kids have been through a lot in the last few years yeah. to say the least um so i hope the kids that are looking for that will find it here and i also hope that kids who just want a good spooky story will also find that i mean that was my that was my goal when i wrote it i i love that one thing that you said that i want to circle back on because it was incredible 
was you talked about the the I'm paraphrasing a bit, but sort of like um, processing and working through the trauma, and then almost the revisiting and 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 it's basically it's the going through it, learning lessons when you're revisiting it. Now you're revisiting it with those lessons learned. So you're like so yes. while it is triggering coming through these different situations, you are now coming into it as a person with extra skills and extra tools at your disposal to process things a little bit differently, um, which will then theoretically aid you on your journey. And I think that's something that I'm even learning about myself and I'm seeing it in in uh, kids and in, in other people as well, is the trying to learn these coping skills or not even just coping, but processing skills to be able to go through something. And then when you revisit it, go back, being able to go through something new or something similar with, with different skill sets, as opposed to ignoring it, pushing it down, quote unquote, getting over it, because the best way to process it is, is through it. So I, I really like what yeah. you said. There. I mean, there's, there's the, there's a the relationship between Jack and her mother. Um, I wrote specifically under the idea of what it's like to experience. So for for Jack's mother, she experienced the trauma of potentially losing her daughter and coming up to the lip of that horrible abyss and then being able to walk away. And her response to that is to not really talk about it and to just act like everything's fine all Mm. the time. Like she doesn't, she refers to it as like everything you went through. You know, she doesn't use the language. She doesn't talk about it almost like it's like a boogie monster. Yeah. And I think that is one of the ways that people do cope when they experience trauma. And I think what I was trying, the story I was trying to tell for Jack is one in which you understand that you have to keep looking at the monster until you realize what it is. And you have to keep turning around and facing the thing you're running from. Yeah. so that you can learn how to deal with it. And I, you know, and that that's part of the message of the only way out is through because the only way this will stop or become bearable. Cause I don't even think like, I don't even believe in, in it stopping. I believe that like when you go through a significant traumatic experience, you are changed. You know, there's, there's a whole section in the book that talks about the Japanese art of Kintsugi, which is where, when a broken pottery is re, sealed with gold and they highlight the cracks and the idea being that a broken object cannot be repaired it can no wait i got that backwards it cannot be remade it can't be what it was before but it can be something else yes and i really love that idea because i know for the traumatic experiences that i've had in my life i think of them as like a cleaving like there was the time before this event happened and the time after and I'm not the same person I was beforehand, right. but like I'm a new person now. And that person is on this trajectory and she's, she's doing all right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My, uh, I went through, uh, not like, uh, I would say it's a, a pretty, um, rough time back in 2018. And my wife for Christmas that year gave me one of those potteries is like, that was the gift she gave me. And it, it That's my beautiful. Started crying because I was like this, yes, this is this is exactly accurate. And I didn't know about that before that moment about the pottery. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then now it's something that anytime that I'm feeling like I'm going through a very rough time, I, I reflect on it and it allows me to have a little bit of perspective. Um, so I love that. And I agree 
with that assessment that you shared. Um, I want to transition to what was it like for you as an author going from Ghost Girl to this appearing house? Obviously, there's a few similar themes, but but obviously there's different, I would say, different obstacles for the protagonists to overcome. So what was it like for you shifting mindsets in that perspective? So I wrote this appearing house while ghost girl was on submission because you know, the, the, the whole, the, the famous adage is like, what do you do when your book's on submission? You write the next one. <laughs> um, so I wrote, I knew, I knew I wanted to write a haunted house book because I was very interested. I've always been very interested in haunted house. Like after ghosts, like haunted houses are my next favorite um like spooky trope yeah so anyone wanted to do that and i i'll get personal here if we don't mind sure listeners don't mind so i in 2014 was diagnosed with cancer so like this story is very much informed by my and i wrote a book of poems because i write poetry too um called better luck next year after my diagnosis and it was a very um it was very much about like the, the experience of like what it was like for the surgeries and the radiation and the doctor's appointments and the whole, you know, it was a very, it was very much like a, like almost like a diary of what I went through. And I kind of assumed that I said everything I wanted to say about that. And then after finishing, like I said, I finished Ghost Girl. It was out on sub. I knew I wanted to write a house story. I started kind of having some moments where I was having, I guess, I wouldn't call them, they weren't scares, but like, you know, a test would come back questionable and yeah. like, it was all brutal getting brought back up to the surface. Um, and so I started thinking that maybe I needed to work through some of these things. So I decided that, you know, if I go with a story about a haunted house and I take the house as the idea of like a, a, an ill body instead of an ill mind, like I can marry it to the things I wanted to talk about in and so I did, but I also, and I cannot stress this enough, this was never supposed to be a book book. Um, I didn't intend for it to ever be that. It was going to be an experiment. It was going to be a computer file. It was going to be me working through my things. Yeah. And I do that through my writing. And then, so I wrote the whole story and I was pleased with it. I'm not going to, like, I was happy with it. I liked how I liked where the, the trajectory of the story. Um, and I mentioned to, to my friend, Amber, who was like, she's one of my beta readers and she reads everything that I write. And she's like, just send it to me. Let me read it. And I was like, Amber, it's not to be a thing. It's yeah. just, it's too, it's too personal. It's too alley. It's too much. Like it's just too much. Yeah. And she was like, just let me read it. So I was like, okay. And so her response was we share an agent. She was like, you need to send this to our agent. Like you, you really, you need to, because this is more than your story. And I was like, ah, it feels like it's really just kind of my story. <laughs> I don't know about that. So I sent it to my agent and my agent loved it and had very minimal edits. Wow. I, if there were any and was like, I want to send it to Sarah, your editor. And I was like, okay, but like, this is a lot for middle grades, so don't get your hopes <laughs> up. And then, like, within, like, days, they made an offer. Wow. Um, so it was a very surprising journey, and it wasn't what I was expecting. I'm very happy that the book does exist. And more than that, I'm very happy 
when I encounter readers who haven't been through something like a cancer diagnosis, but have their other forms of trauma that they've experienced and have them find out that they connected with Jack's story. Um, I have a friend who is a sexual assault survivor and very much was like, yeah, this, this is, this is my trauma. Like I know this, I know this house. And that's really, um, it's really kind of mind blowing. Um, and it, it's really special and scary, um, but in a good way. Right. And I, I hope, like I said, I hope that it finds the kids who need someone to, you know, just remind them that it's going to be okay. So first of all, thank you for sharing that. Um, it's, uh, it means a lot that you were able to share it with me and with the listeners and everyone. And I like being able to know the, the soul of the book in, the, in that regard. And, and I think people will get an additional value out of it, even more than they already will, knowing the, what went into it. So I, I really, really like that. And I, what I, what, Allie, what I love about your writing is I feel, so I've got two kids, uh, for those who don't know, two young kids. And um, <laughs> my daughter is already a very uh, voracious reader. She um, She's read the entire Magic Treehouse over the summer and was like, I need more books. And we're like, okay, well, you're in second grade. I, I don't know. So I know. Um, so I will, I will say this. Um, and we can we can put it over over here. I'm putting a metaphorical. Um, I'm pu- pointing over off screen. Um, so uh, Harry Potter, take J.K. Rowling. Yeah, it is what it is. I'm not going to address that. We're putting her over here. But Harry Potter itself has a lot of wonder and a lot of interesting uh, nuances and challenges from a writing perspective. And so we gave her the the first book for that. And it took her it took her a while. And she asked a lot of questions, but she was getting it. And she was she was asking questions uh, about Voldemort um, that I know that I was not asking when I first read the book. And my wife was saying the same thing. And so she's already she's already Ali she's already putting together um, some some of the the last act pieces. Just after reading the first book, I say all of that to say, when I look at my children, especially my daughter right now, because of she's reading, she needs books like this out there so she can understand and process a lot of these big situations and emotions and 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 things that I honestly I didn't have when I was growing up, and I wish that I had a book like Ghost Girl and like Disappearing House so I could kind of understand a lot of things that were happening around me. And, mm-hmm, it's, and, mm-hmm. and not that I didn't love all of the sports books that I read, like they were great fun, um, but I, I don't pitch a ball all the time, but I do process trauma, right? And I do <laughs> um, kind of go through a lot of these situations. So, I process trauma every day. <laughs> right? So I love that. What I love about your writing is I love that you're putting these books out so children can consume and adults can consume them and see themselves reflected and 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 use it as an additional tool and resource as they're going through life. And I think you've done an excellent job sort of giving that to the world and putting that out there. And so I just, I love that you're on the show and you're talking about that. Um, so I just want to say thank you for all that you're doing. Well, thank you for saying that because honestly, that if I had a, a goal in 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 working as hard as I have to get to a place to be traditionally published, it was 
it was this. It was to talk about things that I think people can sometimes struggle to talk about. And I think they struggle even more to talk about it with kids. Yes. Um, and I, I, I fully believe in the, in the notion that, that books are mirrors and windows. Yes. So they're mirrors where you see your own experiences or they're windows where you see someone else's experience. And in doing so, it increases the empathy net and it makes us all slightly better humans and a little more loving and kinder to each other. I, I, I believe that fully. Um, but I also believe that we're not always great with trusting kids and believing their emotions. Um, one of the things I've talked a lot about with Disappearing House is that um, Jack is angry and she's very vocal about her anger. And I've had some people who interviewed me be like, you know, do you think you're going to get pushback from that? Do you think that parents often like shut down when their kids are angry? And I do. I do think that that happens a lot. And I think it's because we want to raise good, kind children to become good, kind adults. And we've kind of lumped anger into a place too similar to rage, yes, um, which is a relatively useless emotion right. and a dangerous emotion. But anger can be extremely productive. Yep. You know, if if you look at you look at someone who was angry about the 2016 election, who then went and spent all of their energy and their time making sure that like the 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 people that they believed in got elected in the next round of elections, like they use their anger for good. Right. And they use their anger to to enact change around them. And I think that that's important. And I think shut down kids anger we're just we're kind of implying that they don't have the full range of human emotions which yes. they do they just don't have as much language as we do as adults yep. and i think sometimes we parents and teachers and librarians and caregivers and anyone who works with children sometimes forgets that and i always try to keep that in the forefront of my mind when i'm writing is that a kid feels everything i felt because i felt everything as a kid and i'm very 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 still connected to who i was as a 12 year old and i felt everything that i feel now and I just didn't always have the language to talk about it. Um, so I think, you know, when you present a kid with a book that deals with hard subjects, and I think horror especially is very adept at talking about hard things because you trench it in in such like an adventure story. Because, I mean, let's be honest, the person you're always going to root for the most is the person in the horror story. Yeah. You want them to make it through their stakes are much higher than anyone else's. Yep. So I, I think that, you know, horror is uniquely good at shining a light into some of the spaces that maybe make adults uncomfortable and that maybe kids still need access to. And that is all I ever want to do with the stories that I tell. I just, I want to make sure that the kids who read them feel like I guess validated yeah. and that their feelings are respected um, because that's how I wanted, that's how I felt as a kid. You know, I really, when I was younger, I, I read um, Madeline Lee Angles A Wrinkle in Time and the main character Meg, you know, there's that famous line in there that Mrs. What's it says, which is stay angry, Meg, you'll need all your anger now in order to defeat the big bad guy. And I remember reading that and thinking like, okay, but like anger is supposed to be bad. 
supposed to be it's something that like when I get angry, my mother's like, stop being angry, you know? Right. It was a very conflicting experience. But also I just I've never connected to a character like I did when I was that age and I read Meg's story. And it was the first time actually that I I cared about who an author was. I flipped the book over because I was like, who made this? Like I didn't I never cared about authors beforehand. I was like, whatever. I just right. want a story. But reading A Wrinkle in Time, I absolutely was like, who made this girl that feels so much like me, you know, that has all these feelings that I have. And I'm basically just trying to do that for kids now. I'm just trying to make characters that have the depth of emotion that they have. And if that includes bad behavior, then so be it. I mean, plenty, plenty of reviewers have definitely tagged Z and Ghost Girl as making some dubious choices and having some bad behavior. And I agree. She absolutely does. But she's 12. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think so. it's good lessons, right? It's good. It's, it's a good reminder for the adults and it's a great lesson for the kids about processing emotions to your point. I think in a, in a rush to, what am I trying to say? We, we, we lump and squash, lump and squash emotions um, yes. is the best way to, I can say it because we think like being quiet or um, not, not being angry or um, not talking back or whatever are good things when in, when in reality, they're not those traits, the anger specifically are not bad behaviors mm -hmm. it's more understanding the full scope of emotions and if we can raise children to become adults with a full range of emotions who can process them healthily that's what we want right we don't want to squash I mean, it right exactly and that that's what i'm i i tried to do especially with the superior house is to talk about complicated feelings that are still valid and real and important and inherently they're good they're not bad feelings you know being angry is not a bad thing when it, the thing you're angry about is justified yeah. like your anger can be justified um you know i had a friend of mine haley who blurbed this appearing house um in part of her her uh blurb she said had said something along the lines of like how the book trust the the book trusts kids enough to let them know that it's only to be angry at an unjust world mm. and i was like if it was anything i was trying to say it's that like yeah. the world is unjust and unfair things happen and good people get hurt yeah. and it's totally okay to be mad about it because it's unfair yep absolutely absolutely well this is fantastic. I want to say if there's one additional lesson or or maybe note that you want readers to get out of the book that we haven't covered, um, what would that be? Um, I suppose, oh God, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I, I covered it a little bit, but I, I would say that again, I, I don't, I, I hope that people go into it with an open mind and not think it's, a cancer book um like and if you are gonna think it's a cancer book then please think that it's the antithesis to the fault in our stars because <laughs> i think that's a terrible book <laughs> and i know it's beloved but as someone who has been through treatment 
That book misses so many notes, it's not even funny. And it's very apparent it was written by someone who has never been there. So and, and that, this at least, yes. I promise you, will be on it will be at least close to my experience. Not everyone's experience, but it's at least close to mine. That's good. That is a problem that that we as a society have run into historically of writing about people's experiences that we've not that are not our own. Um, yes. And, that, and that's think, a variety of ways, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think illness has especially fallen um, under that because I think people think it's okay to talk about it because it's like, yeah. you know, there's a part in Disappearing House where Jack talks about how she doesn't have any books that tell a story that she'd be familiar with. Like the only stories that she ever hears are the kid gets sick, the kid dies, and everyone realizes that life is precious and important. Hmm. And... I wrote a book that is the opposite of that experience so that any kid who has been on the lip of that abyss sees themselves in That's it. Good. That's good. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I could, Allie, we could continue and talk for hours <laughs> and hours. Oh, this is great. I think we'd bore everybody eventually. We, we would, we would. Uh, but this has been, this has been fantastic. I'm going to, I'm going to shift now uh, to our segment, Things to Check Out, uh, before we wrap up. So for those who don't know, Things to Check Out is a segment where I uh, share something I'm reading, watching, and or listening to, and I invite my, my guests to do the same. So I will go first. Uh, Halloween, uh, getting back to the, 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 the spooky, well, didn't get back to, we've continued the thread, but I would say bringing it back to more general um, uh, spooky spookiness, I would say. So uh, what I'm reading, so I'm actually going to shift this a little bit. Instead of something I'm actually reading, watching, or listening to, I'm going to talk about something that I have read. I frequently reread it, something that I'm excited to watch soon, and then something that I also frequently listen to. So book, uh, the, the Woman in Black is by far uh, probably my favorite ghost story and is because I have a personal connection to it. I don't know if I've shared on the show. I saw it in London. I read the book uh, and then I uh, majored in theater in, in college. And for my capstone project, we had to direct a play. And so I chose the woman in black and I scared the pants off like hundreds of people in the audience with practical effects and nothing else. And it was wonderful. And uh, I still routinely get messages from people that were students that graduated with me who were like, I am still scared of like going into my house at night because I just assume uh, the ghost is there. So I will, I'm not spoiling it, but I will say what I chose to do for my production is I did not put the ghost in the cast list in the program. So everybody's talking about a ghost and the ghost isn't there for half the show. And so people just assume, oh, Joe just, you know, you know, budget constraints or whatever. There isn't a ghost. My wife played the ghost and we took a old wedding dress and we dyed it black. And she walked out from um, behind the seats when it was dark and walked through the audience and people lost their shit. They were so scared. And she was just like, like, I, well, I'm like, I'm like doing it, but people can't see, but I'm, <laughs> she was just like walking forward well. with this like veil over her face. Oh, oh and my God. I have to say, I have to put this here because I'm pretty proud of myself. I didn't tell my actors that I was going to cast it either until about halfway through rehearsals. So they're all going through the whole production. We're going and there's a scene where like the main character turns around and sees a ghost in the graveyard. That's like that's the moment where the ghost appears. So he's been doing it. He's been acting. You know, he's been going through the motions, all this kind of stuff. And then I'm like, all right, hey, uh, I'm not going to do any notes. I'm not going to stop you. We're just going to do a run. I'm going to take some pictures in the audience just so I have them like go full, full steam ahead. And all of a sudden the ghost walks out and my actor, like, well, he was like, I got to stop. I got to stop. Like, what the 
what is going on? And I was like, perfect. Don't lose that. This is a real person. This isn't a ghost. You're not, you're not, whatever. So anyways, so I have a special connection to the woman in black. Daniel Radcliffe also did a, did a, adapted it as a movie was in that. There was a little bit of the same themes, but they changed a bit, but the book is fantastic. So, uh, by Susan Hill, the film, I'm going to promote it. Former guest on the podcast and dear friend, Rebecca Kennedy has a movie coming out called two witches. Um, it is available, I think digitally everywhere starting, um, uh, I forget October 17th maybe is when it comes out. But if you're listening to this uh, after October 1st, uh, Acorn has a streaming platform. I think, it, no, Arrow, I'm sorry. Arrow has a streaming platform. They produce the movie so you can go watch it there or it's available on Amazon Prime. There's also Blu-ray, but she plays the witch Masha. Um, and uh, as I understand it, it's super creepy. So I'll be watching uh, with my hands over my eyes, but also peeking through to watch uh, my good friend. So yes, go check that out. And then listening to every year, I re-listened to uh, the BBC's Dracula, uh, which stars Tom Hiddleston, uh, who was Loki, as Jonathan Harker. Um, so it's a great audio, like radio drama production. I love Dracula, the OG vampire story. Um, so that's the, those are my recommendations. So, Ali, what are you reading, watching, listening to, or what do you like to read, watch, or listen to around this Okay, time? okay. Um, so first of all, I do have to say real quick. So um, I had wanted to see because I heard so much about the stage production of the woman in black, but I've never had an opportunity oh, to see one. So I was like, okay, I'm going to watch the Daniel Radcliffe movie. But before I watched the movie, I read the story because I would always read the book from yes. the movie. And I was like, wow, this is like a perfect Gothic tale. Right. Oh. So, right. Which I loved, which I loved. So, but like going, I did not expect watching, you know, cause the Daniel Radcliffe movie also starts out with that same kind of vibe. It's very Gothic. It's like, it's like a slow build. And then it just turns into jump scare after jump scare after yes. jump scare. And I was yeah. not prepared. I, right. was not, I was like, that's not in the book. No. <laughs> no. I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, okay. So um, watching. So I'm not watching it yet, but I will be watching it on October 7th as a um, died in the wolf Flana fan. I'll be watching Mike Flanagan's uh, new Midnight Club, That's which I'm right. yes. very excited about, especially because topically it deals with kids who um, are terminal and their attempts to, they make a pact that one of them will communicate with the others after they're gone. Super excited to see how he handles it. I hope it's good. I hope it's good. I hope it's good. Yeah. Um, reading. We did reading, right? Yes. Well, yes. no, okay. we did. Uh, uh, Wait, we talked about watching? film. Yeah, yeah. We just did watch it. So reading and listening to what are the those reading things? and listening. Okay. So reading, um, I definitely want to give a shout out to two of my favorite books that came out this year. Um, one is the clackety by Laura Senf, which is also a middle grade book. Um, and I feel like it is like a sister to this appearing house, um, in dealing with anxiety and panic attacks. And it's brilliant. And the kind of book I would have devoured as a child. Awesome. Um, also, my friend Ali's book came out. It's called It Looks Like Us, and it is an Antarctica horror. It's a YA. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And I have to tell you, there are a lot of amazing horror writers out there that do good body horror, and no one holds a candle to Allie. The thing she will do to a body is beyond upsetting. So It Looks Like Us is amazing and it takes place in antarctica so it's got like a very like john carpenter's the thing yeah. kind of vibe mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but like also like a predatory kind of vibe it's very good i absolutely love it it just came out um and listening i have to give a shout 
shout out to one of my favorite podcasts, which is um, Talking Scared, um, hosted by Neil McRobert. Um, and this is a wonderful conversation every week with a horror writer with no spoiler. So like I listen every week and know that the book, I, like the, I, I won't get to the book for like two months because he basically runs my TBR at this point. Um, but like, I know nothing will be spoiled and he does wonderful interviews with like really insightful, great guests. It's abs an absolute delight. I highly recommend. I love it. That's fantastic. <laughs> oh, I just pulled up It Looks Like Us, and it looks like a good read. So It's so um, good. I'm it's so good. It oh. just came out on Tuesday. Oh. It literally just came out. Oh. Yeah. I might, have to, yeah, I might have to have her on the show after I've read it because this looks like a good treat. Yes, so, oh. you should. Allie is wonderful. Oh. We love her. Wonderful. And she writes such good horror. It's truly, truly good stuff. Oh, I'm excited. Okay. Well, if people, so first of all, uh, what's the best place for people to purchase this appearing house? Where would you like them to go? You know what? You can purchase this appearing house at your local bookstore. You can purchase it wherever books are sold. Um, if you want a signed copy, you could purchase copies through um, Books Wonder and Books Are Magic in New York City. Um, both of those places have signed copies. If you don't want to get through there, but you would like a signed copy, you can contact me and I can send you a plate. Lots of ways to do that. Um, and also, you know, I don't know, send you stickers and bookmarks and something. <laughs> um, yeah. And you can contact me through my website or on Twitter or on Instagram. I'm, I'm around on the socials. Like everyone. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. Well, if people, well, speaking of that, if people want to follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that? So I'm on both Instagram and Twitter. It's just at Ali Malinenko, um, because I'm basic like that. <laughs> and I have my website is AliMalinenko.com. Um, so yeah, we'll all of those links, places. Links to that as well. Well, this is absolutely fantastic, and I will say uh, I'm not going to release anything yet on this episode because more more details to come. But I would just say um, look for some fun um, uh, a fun. Uh, potential opportunity for listeners of the podcast uh, coming this month in Halloween. So watch the socials, listen to the episode, <laughs> all the things. Um, it'll be a spooky. Those got surprises. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> all right. Well, Ali, this has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for coming on again. I can't wait to have you back on, Thank not just you. for the next stuff you're going to write, but also just in general to talk about all kinds of good stuff. I love it. I would love to anytime. You let me know. Thank you so much. Of course. Absolutely. And listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at detoxpodcast or visit detoxpodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W dot com. <laughs>